Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. There it is, Chuck, once well, there again. It is. <laughs> Go to rehab, don't die. But, um, but you know, it's another episode of Don't Die podcast. The point of Don't Die is to just get that message out, don't die. I I had that message from a very early age, but as you know, a lot of these kids that we're seeing that are drug addicts, they don't know. I got a call last night from a gal who's shooting, uh, uh, what's it called? Opana. Oh, wonderful. 28 years old, they're shooting Opana. So then, and I happened to be, I was driving to meet Dr. Drew, and so she said she does it because it's not as strong as fentanyl. And so I didn't know <laughs> if that was true or not. Then I asked Drew, and he goes, yeah, it is true. And I, so she, I said, so there's hope for these people. They're what? actually correcting their actions. They're seeing their friends die of fentanyl, and they're finding something less dangerous to shoot. That's what I'm talking about. That's my goal for don't die. I don't care if you stop taking drugs. It's up to you. But dying in the streets, having my little boy walk into a park bathroom to take a pee and you're laying there dead, that's got to stop, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, that I, she's she makes sense. I mean, that the Opana is going to be the same amount, the same Opana? effect. Is it Opana or Opana? Opana. Opana. You know, I've I've heard it said every way. But it's weaker than uh, than fentanyl. Now it, watch, somebody will go do it and die on that, and then they'll blame me. But I'm just reporting <laughs> what I heard last night from the from the attic on the street to Doctor Drew, and so you're seeing people correct their actions when there's people dying all over town and every hamlet in America. Right, I like that. I saw it as a as a as a good sign. Oh, someone didn't want to die; that they just wanted to be loaded. Yeah, yeah that's that, way healthier. Wow, that's a throwback idea. That's a that we need to bring that back to the mainstream of drug addiction. <laughs> yeah, let's let's work on being loaded. Yeah, and let's <laughs> work on staying in the center there. Yep. Don't die. So, last night I did a movie where I played. I and Doctor Drew played ourselves. I won't give it away. Wait, you're, you're acting in a movie? We acted in a movie with Dave Foley and Bob Saget and a bunch of great, the girl from Saturday Night Live. It was so great, and we played ourselves. How cool. <laughs> so, well, I can't, tell, I can't well, give it away. It's a very cool thing that, that happens in this movie. Well, then you're going to have to tell me when we're done here because I, I can't wait. Well, it actually, it came up. Your boss came up during the filming of it. Oh, really? In between shots, somebody says, Does this actually go on in real life? And I go, well, this friend of mine, Warren, used to do it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's doing it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't even know where, what, how much of that I'm allowed to talk about. <laughs> well, I, I'm certainly not the authority on it. And so I, obviously, been corrected. well, there was a TV show about it, so how could right. you not know about it? So obviously, mythology of your boss has gone now into the ether of American addiction. You know, it's, it's in the air that there's a guy who kidnaps drug addicts and takes well, them against their That's a harsh word. That's a harsh word. And very judgy, I might add. Okay, well, so, so that, now I gave away what happens in the movie. Oh, no, you didn't. So and then I was thinking, in real life, what would it take for me and Drew to kidnap somebody and get them sober? 
It would take a lot. You know, I think Drew would be too anxious to do it. You know, though, that used to happen in, in 1985. In N.A., it happened all the time since the inception of N.A. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I was, well, it's 18 at the time and in treatment. They called it sitting on somebody. And yeah, they used to take people out to the desert like what you would do, only they weren't so nice. They'd take people, tie them up and throw them in a trunk and take them out <laughs> to a, a freaking cabin. I mean, brothers would do it to their little brothers. You know what yeah. I mean? It was one of those things where the families looked out for each other and they'd say, you know what? You're kicking it. Anytime people would start using a needle, that's where they drew the line. Yeah. that Well, and I just came into NA in the mid 80s and there was a thing called sitting on people. And I didn't know what it meant, but it sometimes literally meant sitting on them. <laughs> <laughs> if you were bigger than them, I guess. Well, most of the NA guys were bigger than and the junkie kids. Mm -hmm. So so anyways, we did this movie till two o'clock in the morning. Then I come home. And it's, it was in Granada Hills. Way I don't even know where Granada Hills is, though I was there last night. And so I get home. I I like fell asleep about quarter to three in the morning. Sydney was up before six. All right. Da 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 da. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. So I've been tired all day, but. But I knew it's Monday nights and it's podcast night. Yep. Right? So here we are. But uh, a lot's happened in, in, since I think since we really sat down and talked about, about the, uh, uh, you know, what's going on in government and insurance and in Obamacare and in drug treatment. But a lot of things have happened since even last time we talked. A lot of my friends' treatment centers are going in-network. Right. right. There's big talk of go in network. And for you, those of you at home, that means a lot of the profit is going to is going to leave the recovery industry. If that's a trend, if it's a trend that that these rehab centers are going to negotiate prices with the insurance companies, that's the way it used to be. So the good news about rehab centers going in network, if that's a real trend, is patient brokering will go away. Right. Oh, For that, sure. That would be fantastic. It will be gone. Call centers will be gone. Patient brokering will be gone. All that whole underbelly of the recovery industry will be gone in a, in, as soon as a majority of rehabs are in network. Right? So That makes sense. So, you know, th that is real hope and optimism. Because if, if most majority of treatment centers are in network then then they'll you just full. call the back they'll be full because the Aetna and blue cross and health net will direct the patients to the treatment centers that they have deals with it's perfect yeah right and i was really proud of my friend paul he's an old client of mine and and uh he has a 112 bed treatment center he went all in network really proud of him you know i, I, I mean? know paul Paul's oh, yeah. a good guy you know paul yeah so so wow and then my friends and i that started allo are talking about doing in-network rehab so the future looks like it's going back to the way that it was but it'll take a couple years to get there right there'll still be all the all the shenanigans that go on now but we're heading in a more positive direction because i know you know when i was talking to you at when you were working at, at chapman everybody feels demoralized that works in treatment they just feel like it's all about money and it's all so now there's hope 
Hope has re-arisen in the recovery industry, in my opinion. Or if you work in a treatment center and you're discouraged, let me tell you, things are changing. Well, this is far from where we were sitting six months ago thinking that uh, recovery is over. It's going to go back to you got to have people on your couch and it's going to be people doing it for each other. Um, You know, addict to addict, alcoholic to alcoholic, like it used to be to it looks like there may be a future for some sort of treatment with that which i think can be it can be so beneficial if well, done let, correctly. Let, yeah let, let's talk about the other greatest thing about in-network treatment you don't give a fuck these are the rules yeah you don't i like ain't it, making that out. much money yeah. off you being here you can fucking leave right now that getting people <laughs> kicked out because there's this unlimited patient flow Right. Mm-hmm. So I worked at two in network places for years and that was great. We didn't have to fucking talk to people to get clients and stuff like that. There was none of that stuff. Right. Yeah. But well, that's, that's nuts. We, you know, and I, I do, it's so, it's so refreshing to be in a place where people are kicked out for the right reasons. But, you know, at the same, at the same time, I, I miss, I miss the straight social model, like w- where I went through. I, man, I, I don't even know where where I'm going with this. Other than I'm glad that there's change happening. Change and, is happening, and I hope change it is happening. It can't happen fast enough for me. So it, that's exciting stuff. So this gets back to my recommendations to a lot of parents. Like, go in network, call the back of your insurance card, and go to the treatment centers that are available to you. You don't need to come to California to go to rehab. There's good rehabs in your state. And there have, there have been a ton of them that are in network. I mean, w- uh, two years ago when I was doing it um, for, my, uh, for one of my boys, uh, all I had to do was go online and go online un- underneath my insurance, and they, we printed out pages of places that were in network. Oh, really? And how come they, uh, did he go to them? Yeah, we did. We ended up going to PRC was one of them. PRC was one? Yeah. Oh my God! And a network for us out of Orange County, so um, there were there were a bunch of those places, and I, it wasn't going through a call center, and it wasn't being shipped out of state, and it wasn't being anything like that. It was just doing what we thought would be best. Actually, what my wife thought would be best. Her brain works better for those things. Well, I'm looking right now. Aetna approved treatment insurance uh, rehabs. This is a call center. I don't know. See, this is a call center. This is a con right here. <laughs> right there's a con yep that's a fucking con so you you google i googled in network rehab center and it popped up the first one that popped up said etna in network rehab centers and you click on it and it's a call center trying to screen you to get a hold of you to I no know. no they they'll like that we're defending them but they you know no look we, at this is a call center that, that does all those. United Health, Pacific Care, HealthNet, Priority Health, American Health, Anthem, Aetna, Humana. Uh, the, these people, Directors Guild of America, they have their own insurance company? The wow. hell is that? It's better than the actors one for sure. Um, no, it wasn't, it wasn't an internet search like that. It was, a, it was a website that was provided by the insurance company. So you have to go to the source. Don't trust anything, obviously. obviously Obviously you can't google and get where you need to go talk to i bought a car directly i bought a car the other day because i don't have the best credit even now right i got like 600 or something i'm terrible with money so 
So I had to buy a car. I needed, you know, a car for, to have two kids in. My little car is not, like, so I bought that Jeep out there, right? right. I bought it in Pomona on that auto roll, <laughs> you know, where it says easy credit, <laughs> bad credit. Serble Espanol. Yes. That's where I bought that car. And, and you know, you know you're getting fucked when you go down there, <laughs> but you got no choice. You don't got, you don't got eight grand to buy a car. So you know you're getting fucked. Yeah, your insurance, your your interest rate will be rough. You're even paying your, too much. Even your sales price on the car is ridiculous, yeah. right? But you know that you're getting fucked. Well, if you go to a call center, just know you're getting fucked. <laughs> Someone's making it's a like, lot of money it's from like you. Buying a car in Pomona. <laughs> so so. Uh, so anyways, there's a lot of hope for the people out there. If you're working in treatment, treatment's going to come back around. I have a feeling. But we still have to modernize a little bit because, you know, kids are different and the drugs are different. And one of the things, I mean, I was talking to Dr. I was with Dr. Drew last night for like seven hours, just mostly doing nothing. That's what you do in a movie set. Mostly nothing. I have no idea. So... So we talked and we were saying that there's got to be something about because um, the population couldn't have developed this much addiction in it. It's just genetically impossible, right? Right. So, so the people working, we need new screening tools. We need ways, new, new solutions, not, not, not a cookie cut one size fits all for everybody, right? And, and harm reduction is a component of it. But we need to be honest with them. And that's what this new treatment the last four or five years has not been. It's just stay in your bed at any cost so we can make a bunch of money, basically. Uh, <clears throat> what do you think about um, exit interviews and things like that? What do you think about talking to the, the young people that are in treatment to see what is, what's in their heads? Do you think there'd be any benefit in that? Or do you think that we're better off I don't know, looking to see what what we think works. I mean, I don't know how you come up with something that fits a new mentality and a new way of doing things, especially trial and error. You got to try stuff and, and have it either succeed or fail. That's the only way. Superimposing our beliefs and, and experiences on 19 year olds is failing. Is not working. Yeah. It's so, failing, yeah. so I do it all the time. Like I say, why don't you just stick around here? Be cool just do what what is suggested to you try to keep an open mind you know you're not going anywhere you got no life anyways why don't you just stay here a month <laughs> or two but keep an open mind listen to what everybody's talking about if you have questions ask me right instead of them just telling everybody what they want to hear so they can have a nice place to live and gourmet food and all that i prefer that and then you know, at the end, you just say, if you've developed attachment with the client, they will tell you what they plan to do. If you, if you haven't, if you've been my way or the, you know, if you haven't been listening or developing a relationship with them, they're just going to say, yeah, 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 I'm going to go to meetings, I'm going to get a sponsor, blah, 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 and then they're just going to go do what their plan was. It's critical for KDACs and clinicians and people working in treatment to develop a relationship so they'll really tell you what they, th what they think they're going to go do, whether it's smoke weed or go live with their friend or, you know, go to Burning Man or what. I've had clients tell me all kinds of things. No, that's, 
That's funny you would say that because it's one of the few things that I do without trying. I don't mean to, and it doesn't mean I have brain power because I can't remember a lot of things, but it is remembering little things that each client tells me so that I can revisit them on our next talk. Or I remember what it was that they said, and if it's not congruent, or you know, if it's something different than they had said, then I can then I can talk to them saying that's not what you said last time. To be able to have what you said, to be able to have a connection with them, to build an actual relationship with them, so that it, you know the idea that wow, I, I didn't think you'd remember that, or I didn't think that you were listening, or I didn't think that this because that seems to be what they've come up against so much is that they're being given lip service by people that are just not hearing them. Yeah, well, they just tune out i think and you know a lot of times all i'm doing is kind of trying to develop that thing that a, a cool weird uncle should have developed with the kid when they were like <laughs> 10 or 12 or 14 people don't really have interest in kids i notice that it's a weird thing i'm interested in kids like i'm just interested in what they think and how they act i just watch them all the time i just think there was a there was something that happened at over the weekend with Elvis had some friends over here and and they were playing the, the one kid was playing drums his sister was singing Elvis was playing guitar in here this is our, we were we were, we do po the podcast in rehearsal room so and we all left they asked us to leave they asked his the kids the other friend of mine that was here they asked us to leave so we went and sat over there by the river and <laughs> and we could hear the music going on right mm -hmm. just a racket of fucking noise right oh, cool. it was fun then it stopped and it stopped for like 10 minutes and so i thought i got nominated i came in here and the little boy was crying behind the drums and his sister was sitting silent and elvis looked like it like he had done something wrong when i walked in the room <laughs> but he was still sitting right where he was playing the electric guitar right right and so i said what's going on what's going on and he they now here's something that happened that you know when children cry you, you you should just be trying to figure out what what they're crying about not try to get them to stop crying because you feel uncomfortable this is critical right because i'm you know i got kids and all my friends got kids kids cry all the time you know mm -hmm. your older kids cry sometimes <laughs> absolutely so so I said, what the heck? And I looked at Elvis because I, I said, what is going on? And what happened was the, the Elvis knows how to play Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath on guitar. And, and, and the girl knows how to sing it. But the boy didn't know how, know how to drum it. <laughs> well, that's kind of rough. And this created conflict. But I've been in a room <laughs> with 50-year-old men. <laughs> it's about and the, the same. same thing <laughs> happens. <laughs> right? So I said, it's going to be okay. And I showed him how to do it. And I said, play it. Boom. 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 And I said, hit the cymbal when, they, when the third string rings out. Then he was doing it, and he was playing it, and they made a bunch of more noise, and I went on out, right? To take an interest in kids and try to, <laughs> to instead of just tell them the rules. I, I don't know. I, I observe a lot of bad parenting and a, bad, a lot of bad social norms around children, right? 
<laughs> I do. I know that's just, that's just so funny. That's one of those things. You're right. That doesn't change from five to fifty. It, <laughs> it in, really does. In, in sports or in music, it's kind of the same thing because it, you know, sports are playing a schoolyard game that we all played as kids, the same as we all played music when we were little, and we're still doing it now. Because they were, you know, they were bored. You know, after twenty minutes of just making noise that doesn't even make any sense kind of like Thelonious Monster. <laughs> they wanted to get more organized. At least Elvis and the, and the little girl did, right? Mm. And so there was a conflict about that. And they had a problem with the drummer. What are the yeah. odds? Yeah, what are the odds of that? <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, but I, and I noticed it, and that's what I did with your son when he lived with me, is just like, listen to him, okay, okay. And then have a conversation where you can go, well, and, and he has to value my opinion, not just because I have a certification that people should value my opinion. I should have been a good listener. I should have been a helpful person, an amiable person, a kind person. Then the person will listen to you, right? So when the pot thing came up, when the pot thing always comes up with all these kids everywhere, all the time, I just say my own personal opinion about pot. Yes, no one ever dies from smoking pot. Yes, pot is... is nobody's ever become violent because of pot yeah, you it's don't not rob like alcohol more, you yeah. don't need to rob there's pot everywhere there was pot my, when you you came and saw me and mike playing long beach there mm -hmm. was people smoking big old spliffs right out in the streets yeah. of long beach i thought i would never see the day of that i know cops walking crazy. around with people smoking pot yeah. that was crazy anyways i digress but mm. but i just say listen i have friends that have been smoking pot since the 1970s. So I have more experience with pot over the long term than you do. And I say, not everybody is Willie Nelson. <laughs> A lot of people are living in dusty apartments on the east side of Hollywood that they've lived in for 30 years, right? Right. And I, there's no doubt in my mind, there's no doubt in any average intelligence person that has experience with long-term pot use in obser observing it or experiencing it that you don't know that that drug affects the motivation in your life it just slows your motivation down you don't really care you don't really care you don't really care now that's fine if you want to live a life where you don't really care that's fine but kids who are deciding to live that life at 19 and 20 and 21 and 22, and they're starting to develop this belief system about pot being harmless or helpful or, or you know, whatever positive things they think about it, it's not as, it's not bad like alcohol and alcohol is legal, it, you can't die from it, all the arguments about pot the one thing that you got to you know get children to get young people to understand is like listen long term pot use is kind of pathetic <laughs> like that's my opinion of it now you cannot like my opinion you can email me at criesandwhispers at hotmail.com right now if you're a big pot advocate i've spoken to many pot advocates um and, and including the head of normal when they were first trying to get pot, medical marijuana in California. And I said to him, he came on the Dr. Drew used to have this TV show, right, at HLN. And the guy came on right when the medical marijuana thing was coming on and said, what did he say? He said, 
you know, it's going to happen. And I said, but, but you're the one driving it and it doesn't have to happen. We're only five or seven years away, 10 years away at the most from the entire California population thinking that recreational marijuana is okay. We don't need to tell 14 year olds that marijuana is medicine. Right. right. <laughs> that, I, I just knew, like I knew, I knew what my older cousins and my, you know, my sisters, families, you know, and in-laws, I knew that, that it was changing. The opinion of marijuana was changing, right? Mm -hmm. And so I didn't think they needed to force this medical marijuana con job bullshit to get marijuana to be more acceptable in California. I knew it, inevitably it's going to be decriminalized. Inevitably it will be legal. I knew that. So, but now we've told children for 10 years that it's me medicine. It's yeah, medicine no. for anxiety and depression. And it's, it's medicine for, for end of life cancer, for cancer pain. It definitely is medicine. It's, med it's medicine for glaucoma, I think, right? You know, there are so many listed. It, it treats everything. No, no. I'm saying what it really works oh, for. Yeah, and then they, they said it's for all these vague mental health issues that... Glaucoma and during like uh, radiation and chemotherapy yeah, yeah. To, to help to with have an appetite. appetite. Right. But so there were concrete things, medical uses for marijuana. They were very small and they're very limited. To say that it's for depression is like to say it's for breathing air. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the vaguest kind of idea of what what is depression. Most people don't even know what depression is. Oh, no, this I go through this all the time. The difference between being sad and being depressed with weed <laughs> <laughs> well it's just like the same people don't know the difference between being nervous or being stressed out and having anxiety they throw anxiety in at all the time and depression in all the time because those are the clinical terms when they're not when you're when your dog dies and you're sad you're not depressed you're sad i remember in so i started a lost and seen a psychiatric hospital in 2003 right and I'd been working there about two years, and I ended up running the lockdown adolescent unit, right? Those the, are fun. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, fun, fun things. <laughs> so there's this little, like, tweener kid. He's, like, 11 or 12 or 13, right? But he's very mature, and you can tell. And I said, so what's your deal? So, because so, he said in my group, I'm not a drug addict. I've never taken drugs. I, don't, I shouldn't have to be in your group. And I was like, everybody has to be in my group. I'm sorry not enough staff to watch you do whatever you're going to do and this is good and educational for you and i said so what is your deal and this kid who was 11 years old and this was probably in 2005 2006 told me that he had anxiety and panic disorder how does a fucking 11 year old <laughs> know that he has anxiety and panic disorder Someone told him he did. No, he has a mother who has Munchausen syndrome. Is what <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody that was who told him that. <laughs> yeah. Mom, mom looked it up. And what, what, yeah. what were his? What was he being treated with for that? Well, he oh God, psychiatric medications. Of course, doctors can do Meth. anything. I mean, Adderall. Doctors can do anything. No, not for not for anxiety. He's Why probably not? on clonopin. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At eleven or twelve, that's great because he has an acute psychiatric disorder that, that you know, is vague. It's like saying, you're a malted. That's an old, what? that's an old Lenny Bruce skit. <laughs> uh, you know, this, kid, this dumb kid gets, uh, he's like working in a, 
He's working cleaning up a store. You never, you're not a Lenny Bruce fanatic. Probably only Kitty no. Bruce will remember this. Mm-hmm. But there was a Lenny Bruce skit where he <laughs> does this thing where there's this little kid. He's like 16 years old, working cleaning up the malt shop after after work or something, and and he's doing the cleanup, and he finds this this uh, you know genie bottle, right? And he starts rubbing it to shine it up and put it on the counter, and the genie pops out. <laughs> what are the and, odds? And he says, you know, I'm a genie. I can grant you any wish you want. And and um, and somehow the punchline is the kid's stupid enough to say that he wants a malt in a malt shop. And then and the genie misinterprets and turns him into a malt. Okay. And says, you're a malted. <laughs> I just always remember like I was a weird kid I was born to be a heroin addict I was born to be one right right? I can tell you that 90% of the kids I deal with were not born to be heroin addicts they weren't I was listening to Lenny Bruce records when I was like 12 years old and laughing at that so (laughs) you're a malted you're a malted it was something to do with masturbation too but i don't want to get into it isn't that like uh, oh it was vd it was actually a vd bit that's what it was before it was stds boy that's old yeah 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 the lenny bruce is the 50s oh no i i know who he is i just i just missed him i guess when i was coming up his Saturday Night Live was george carlin and and richard Pryor and those two guys idolized lenny bruce especially george carlin did well right carlin was brilliant so so anyway so so but but i'm telling you they they just make things up they just make it up and then every five or seven or eight years when they write a new book they make up new titles for the same thing and they mix it all together and you know what i mean it's just it's nonsense it's nonsense america's brainwashing i'm not in scientology (laughs) good for you you know there's lots of different ways to like describe life like uh you know everybody everybody's so upset about this racism thing right i'm excited about it i know i know america is racist yeah it's been underground for like eight ten years and it sprinkles up in these these weird passive aggressive ways where it doesn't you know it, there's just i just know how when a when a white person says Obama. I know what they what they mean. It's a racist thing. It is, and it's just been it's, been it's been just it's been right under the surface for years, right? Now, for some reason, Trump just lanced a boil, and it just popped out all over America. I think that's the word you got it there is tolerance. Is people when people tolerate stuff. They don't accept, they don't accept, I don't have to like something to accept it, but to accept that people are different and they're going to do different things, and I'm okay with that. I'm so comfortable with letting everybody be who and how and what they are that I don't see it a lot, but there are a lot of people that just plain tolerate. They just barely tolerate someone thinking differently or being different, and then it, they And they see think somebody. it affects them. A bunch of poor people think that politics affects them. That's the fascinating oh, they, they think thing they're about in the America. Game at all. They're not they're even, not in, the even game. in the game. They're not even watching the game. <laughs> the game is played by by people they will never meet. No, they're going. 
North Korea, North Korea. They're not even watching. The, they're watching the right hand when the left hand's doing the business. Right. So never, you know, I was a follower of a guy named Gore Vidal. I don't know if oh, there's young people. Oh, yes. So he wrote a book, Never Have So Few Had So Much when, uh, and So Many Had So Little. Right? The Vidal and Buckley stuff was fantastic. Yeah, those arguments were great. Oh. So arguing is good, or, or tit for tat, discussions are good. But this yelling at each other with posters, you know, like they're doing in Laguna, or they're doing in, in Durham, <laughs> or they're doing in Boston, that's just, I don't know about that. Let's have a debate. Let's These, talk to our, our family members and our coworkers, and let's just have a, let's have a discussion. You know, right? I, that in Vidal and Buckley did not, like each other on a human level. It was level. pretty obvious they didn't. And, and even in, in their personal lives, like there was a whole uh, special I got to see on them that was, it was brilliant. And it was about all their debates throughout the years and how how happy Gore Vidal was when Buckley died. And it was just like, I mean, but they treated each other civilly. Yeah. And, and they, they stated facts. They didn't call names. They didn't point they and just opposing say, views. well, just look at you and, and, and attack on a personal level or tell somebody they were going to get physically hurt. And they were cool and they were entertaining, which there's not a, at these protests, there's not a lot of cool, entertaining people. Absolutely. Also. No, but I didn't, I didn't but I learned stuff from both sides of, of the coin from those two. And I've learned nothing from everything I've seen in the last six months. Well, apparently you know i knew because i i don't know if i here's the thing that's happened in my lifetime i don't know if you've gone through this or if mike's gone through this i always thought of myself as kind of not like i'm 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 street savvy and i'm i'm all right intellectually smart you know what i mean but i'm not smart smart like I'm in the middle. I always thought if you had to say A, B, C, D, or F, what scale are you intellectually? I would say a C, right? Mm. So that's growing up because there was way more like smart people than me, like Gore Vidal or the Hanson brothers or Tomato Plenty. There was people that knew shit that I didn't know, right? And I wanted to know and I read things to know it, right? <laughs> Nowadays... When you just know a simple thing, like I quoted over this whole the statue thing, right? And no one knew it at my work. No one. No one knew. Those statues weren't put up after the Civil War. I just knew that. I don't know if I learned it in high school. I don't know if I learned it in college. I don't know if I learned it along the way. But I knew that those statues were a part of racial intimidation, right? Mm -hmm. Because most of them were put up in the, in the 19-teens, 20s, and 30s. The Civil War was in the 1860s. It wasn't in the 1900s, the Civil War? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, what, what about 1976? We're not talking about the dumbest of the dumb either. We're talking about the middle. The middle used to be relatively no stuff. Right. And now it doesn't know stuff. And like those people protesting those things, they a tradition or whatever. No, they were put up to intimidate black people in Jim Crow era. Even I know that, and I fucking was stoned most of high school. Right. No. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so, so what's shocking to me is not that these people want to prance around with, with torches, is why, <laughs> why under decades of Democratic-controlled, you know, state legislature and mayorships and, and federal government, is, are those fucking things still up? That's what's so fascinating, 
Because Democrats are fucking chicken shits. That's why. I don't know. They were scared to take them down because what would happen? So now, now what's interesting in a perfect anarchy craziness, they're going to take them down because of these dumbasses. Then these dumbasses are going to say, oh, it's, you know, they're taking our heritage away. You know what I mean? It's not your heritage. You don't even know when the Civil War was. Do you know what I mean? Apparently in the 30s. I think, you know, I think they're more closer to Dukes of Hazard than they are to the Civil War history. <laughs> it's, it's more about the car. Yeah. I'm a General Lee fan. Yeah, I know. I can look at your shirt. With <laughs> <laughs> For those of you at home, Chuck is wearing a Dixie shirt right now. Which is totally fine. Which is totally fine. I have no problems with people you know, wearing whatever they want or saying whatever they want. You, you know what's really interesting is that there was a time, you know, like you talk about these things that are happening down in Laguna. I would have been there twenty years ago, maybe did even you, ten years ago. Kid, I, did your kids go down there? I don't know. I haven't talked to either of them, but I doubt it. Yeah, they don't even care. Do you know, apathy is is is, is My boring. My son did go to the one percenters protest in in Wall Street, right for a while, maybe a week or something. But and then I was thinking, like, like what is the point of that whole protest? It was to show you had nowhere There's to be for weeks. Fuck rich people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, well, I don't know that that that's a that's that horse that's out of the barn a long time ago too. yeah <laughs> there's so many things that you just gotta accept them i just accept them what how do i how do i create what can i change you know there was this little boy that came up with this saying in south africa do what you can where you are with what you've got i've lived by that for 20 years do what you can where you are with what you've got right i can't change the people of fucking where the where the fuck was the original protest Dumb fuckville somewhere. <laughs> I think it was in Virginia, right? Yeah, Charlottesville. I can't change the people of Charlottesville, and I and and they picked that spot because they knew it was a wimpy college town. You know well, what I you mean? You know, I think though a lot of there are a lot of people. I think like me, I just when before I got married, if I heard something going on this last time, just because I've gotten older, I'd hear a fight happening in the apartment complex, and I'd You'd get dressed out, and get go out, and I'm, I'm in it, man. It's happening. And I'm and I'm gonna participate. There's gonna we're we're gonna have a problem with somebody. I promise. But I mean, lately, I mean, maybe ten years ago, I'd put on my sleep shorts and I'd run outside and, and with a bat or something. But now I don't even look outside. I just go. You want me to call the police? And I don't call the police. I'm not a police caller, but I mean now I I just I just don't have time for it. It's like going down to Laguna. What if I have to swing on somebody? I don't want to do that anymore. Not unless no, I have to. No, you don't have to swing on it. Like, but these people are attacking people. You know, they're attacking <laughs> each other. And I, I'm not going to go somewhere where I know people are going to attack people. There's not even music. I can't hit people unless there's music for most of the time. I got to tell this funny story. And I usually don't talk about the Chili Peppers, but I'm going to. So in 2008, all of us went, because the Lakers were up three games to two uh, with the, w in the championship against Boston. It's going back to Boston, right? So we thought for sure the Lakers are going to blow them out because Kevin Garnett was a little hurt or something. So we, we all went to Boston, right, to go to the basketball game. And going into the game was cool because it was daytime and we were in Lakers stuff. I even had a Kobe Bryant jersey on that Ooh. somebody gave me. Everybody was flying the Laker colors, going into Boston Garden, right? 
I don't know if you know much oh, about no. basketball. I, it's well, like I, I know a lot that's about like declaring war. I know a lot about people. But from that's Boston like for the sure. Lakers, bo- the Lakers Celtics rivalry. I know you don't know a lot about sports, but it's like I remember Burton like, Johnson. Yeah, this, no, but it's like it's heavy. It doesn't even. I don't know. Anyway, so but it was daytime and we're going in. Everybody's being amiable and they're like Lakers, 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 and then. So then Boston kicks their ass by 24 or something, just wiped out the Lakers, right? So then, and we were kind of thinking like, hey, if the Lakers win, we're going to stay in the arena for a long time until everybody goes <laughs> yeah. home. I mean, we had this discussion. It was, like a, it was like a game plan, right? If they win, we're going down on the court. You know, this, this, some people we were with get a little bit of special privileges so we could you know, stay in the arena until everyone was in their homes, right? And then we would walk back to the hotel. So, so we're just so discouraged because Boston just wipes the floor with the Lakers, right? It was just pathetic. So then we're just all kind of depressed, you know, just like, wow, that was crazy. And I remember thinking, God, we flew on a fucking red eye all the way to Boston to see a basketball watch game. That, yeah. And now we got to fly back six hours. Oh, this is stupid. Anyway, so we just go walking out, right? Just go walking out with the crowd because, you know, the fucking Boston handed it to us. I just thought nobody's going to do anything. They just won. Oh, how wrong I was. Oh, my goodness, how wrong I was. How I underappreciated the beers that they had drank in through the <laughs> basketball game. And I was terrified. They were chasing us. We got separated. They were chasing me. Like, and I was trying to, I took my, I was trying to take my jersey off. These kids are hitting us and like, you know. Why was, didn't you climb up something? You're a climber. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> and there was cars and you thought you were going to get, I was running at them to get hit by a car and stuff. So finally I get the jersey off and I, you know, and then I'm walking around the freezing cold. Like it wasn't cold, cold, but it was cold enough with no shirt on holding this Laker thing, trying to hide the colors of it. Oh, my God. And, I, and, and then I'm walking back to the hotel, and I see Flea. And he's looking like, wow, Bobby, this is crazy. And, and these other kids, came, these other guys, Boston, Southie guys, came over, and it looked like they were going to start again, right? But this, the, the, the street light was shining on us. And the guy comes up, and he's, like, going to confront us. And he goes, Oh my God! Flee from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, Can I get a selfie? That <laughs> was just perfect. We were saved by modern social media. All right, right? Yeah. Because as it, it is an automatic fact in America that if you see some recognizable face, <laughs> you immediately must take a selfie photo with that person, putting aside your sports differences or probably even racial differences so this is my idea about the next if if the next one that is serious where there's nazis gonna protest i say you just get a bunch of famous kardashians and all those people to go down there and stand (laughs) on the front line and the nazis will want to get their pictures taken with them probably i swear to god they will (laughs) It put Kanye right up in front mm. and the Nazis will want to get a selfie with him. I guarantee you that's truly what America is. Put aside is. their difference. They will put aside their differences to get a good selfie. For fame. <laughs> For fame. <laughs> so, For a good cover photo. So, so anyways, what I try to do is inspire kids to have a sense of humor about life. This is fun. It's funny. 
this is good. Something good will come of it. Might get dark, and before there's a dawn, it might get heavy. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's interesting. This is, this is what life is. And somehow, Americans have been sold a bag of goods that you're supposed to anesthetize yourself from life. You're supposed to shop yourself away from life. You're supposed to have psychiatric medications to protect you from life. Life is up and down, and people have opinions, and no. it's crazy, and there's racist, and there's stupid <clears throat> shit, and people die, and people, babies are born, and people you expect to die become drug counselors, and people you don't expect to die at all end up in a grave at 23 years old. It's crazy. It's life. Somehow we've gotten so far away from what life is. You know, my dad used to teach me. My dad was born in 1918, and my grandma died. His mom died, right? And I was pretty, it was the first person I knew that had died. And it was, it was shocking. I mean, she was in an old folks' home, but, but it was weird. Like, now somebody I know has died. I was like eight or something. And my dad tells me the story. He goes, Bobby? my so-and-so uncle died when I was about your age. And back in, that, back in those days, they just put the body on the kitchen table in the, in the dining nice. room. Yeah. That's what they did. They just put the body right there. And they put, I don't know what they did, they put flowers around it because there was nowhere to go. There was no system that came and got dead bodies there was like a guy who came and took the body eventually a day later or something. And I was like, you know, and he, and so I, you live well, life Well, you don't want through, to put him out back. I mean, that's just rude yeah. to put a body outside. What would you do with it? <laughs> yeah, you'd put you him on really the table, a, I suppose. You, you don't have a coffin. What do you do with him? <laughs> that's why formal dining tables were so important. So, and he just said, you know, that's that's life. And my dad said, that's life. And that's, it's life and death. And you're, you're going to die. I'm going to die. Like, I had a straight talk with him when he's like eight years old. So my dad used that straight talk with his dad to tell me what I think he thought I needed to know. And then he said, but now, you know, things are way different. But he told me, he gave me a porthole back into his life. And he also told me the same things that his dad told him, which is people die. You got to get used to it. This is life. People live, they die. I'm going to die. You're going to die. He told me that at eight years old, but not wow. directly to me. He told me that that's what his that's dad what he told, told. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and But things no are Santa. way different now. There's no Easter things Bunny. Things are way different now. But, you know, that we've gotten away from telling the truth. And, and this is life. And some people win and some people lose. And some people that deserve to win lose. And some people that deserve to, to lose win. This is life. It's not fair. It doesn't, it's, there's no there's no rhyme or reason to it we're not told that and and we need to to tell each other and it's okay we're all in it together you know what i mean that's a great that's a great point i mean we're so far removed from the animals that we are that i mean it, most of us eat meat but if you gave us a, a knife and a cow we wouldn't be able to provide for our family no, you would not. You know, because you sit there and look at the cow and not be able to sort it out. That's how far removed we are from 
from from what we actually are and what we actually do you know you put clothes on a monkey and and give them try to legislate morality and it falls apart eventually wait a minute i got a good one you put clothes on a monkey and you give them a certification and tell them to be a drug counselor <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy that, being as hairy that's as you I am. and me that's <laughs> yep. you and me you know but basically i just got recertified and I, kids oh did you yeah kids love talking years. about it kids really love talking about it if you hit them in the right spot and you've developed that attachment and i think parents need to do it uncles need to do it aunties need to do it friends need to do it we need to like have a community again that's realistic right there's yeah. you know that that that's what i think the millennials need those 90 percent that aren't drug addicts they need the truth the joe stummer said all i need a, a really great thing is just two chords in the truth there's nobody telling the truth to anybody anymore who's telling the truth is T taylor swift telling the truth kanye west telling the truth no easy lies like jay-z finally told the <laughs> truth and what a shocking truth that was i didn't even hear oh he made a record all about what a cheater he is on his wife oh no you didn't hear about this? No. Oh. I'm out of the loop. I'm, I've am been staying away from media as much as I can. It's, it's, no, you just get that. I have Apple Radio. It gives you everything. It really? It's $9 a month. You can listen to everything. Mm, I don't have that. Well, anyways. But, but I'm telling you, the truth, the truth, you know, because before I heard the clash, I just thought whatever the government does, it's got to be right. They're good guys. We're good right. people. We're America. God's on our side. And Joe Strummer was the first person to say, God's on your side. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Corporate America's on your side. There's five nuns in El Salvador that would disagree with you tremendously <laughs> that God's on your side. <laughs> yeah. I remember I was, it was like my light bulb, like a, like a Christmas tree, like a bump, like a, like a pinball machine in my head. Like, oh my God, everything I've thought is a lie. I need to know the truth. Right. Yeah. And I want, to, I want to spark that in millennials' brains and 20-year-olds' brains. Everything you've been told is a fucking lie. You know, there's enough, there's enough truth out there that if you go looking for it, you don't have to even get caught up in the conspiracy nonsense. You don't even have to get There's weird. not a conspiracy. This is, it's, there's just anarchy and chaos. Well, no, there's enough, there's enough information out there. If you go looking for truth, if, if, if people got curious, there's so much going on. We don't have to wonder how many planes there were at 9-11 or whether they were really there or photoshopped in. I mean, there's so many flat earth people. There's so many conspiracy things. that. But what is the conspiracy about? I always try to, like, listen, you can't keep a secret between you, me, and Mike, right? <laughs> so how, how the fuck do these people think that there's these superhuman people that keep, keep secrets? Well, there were it's thousands of people involved, and the, the whole idea was the buildings were bombed. They were, set, they were rigged with bombs and set to detonate, and the planes weren't there. They were, Why are you they were photoshopped that right in. Now? Why are you spreading that right <laughs> this now? Is what there's I people are going to listen to that oh, and no. say, oh, that's the truth. I heard that. I heard oh, that somewhere. Cut it out. That's fucking bullshit. That's I know. That's not what I happened. I, it's so frustrating to hear. It's just like, please. You know, but, but just even talking, like giving, giving, you know, the truth is, you know, every imperialist country, you can read about it. It's interesting. Every imperialist country has tried to go to the Middle East and control it has lost. There has been 400 years of history of imperialist countries trying to come in and control Tora Bora and control the, 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 Pakistan, the border of Pakistan and Afghanistan. And no one has been able to do it, including the Russian army. 
and now we haven't been able to do it. But we're going to try some more. Woohoo. Starting today. Right? So, so what, you know, and is it a wag the dog? No, it's just the way that things are. I had a professor in college that said, you know, it's capitalism. Like, so he told me, you need to read the speech of Eisenhower when he was leaving the White House in 1960, the speech he gave. And he said, very, be very fearful and very uh, focused on the military industrial complex. This was General Eisenhower said that as his last, like kicking down knowledge to America, right? So I read it <laughs> and, and, and it was fascinating. So my professor said, what is, what is America? And I said, capitalist society. And he said, exactly. What's the greatest product you could build? I said, a car or I don't know what. And he said, a weapon that when used properly does not exist anymore. And if that weapon costs a lot, a lot of money that the entire population pays for, that is the best product. So he said a billion dollar at the time was the, when the stealth bomber was being built. So stealth bomber, $2 billion to make. If it crashes, it's gone. You need to make another one right? Gets shot out of the sky, crashes, whatever. A million dollar bomb, when used properly, it doesn't exist anymore, right? You have to build another one. But nobody really pays for it. The entire American public pays for it. But who makes the profit? McDonnell Douglas, Boeing, these are the real profiteers of war, right? And it just, you got to search the truth out. So there will always be war because there's so much profit in it. That's a fact. Follow the money. Follow the money. Yeah. And, and kids are kids know that. Kids know that. 17-year-olds know that. Follow the money. Follow the money. Right? So the thing with Trump that I've been pointing yeah. out, you know, what is Trump really? He's not a businessman. He's not. He's a business brander. He takes over casinos and puts his brand on it. Trump. It's a brand. So he's a brander. What's the greatest job in the world a person could have if they were a brander? <laughs> he got, he the got president. It. He got it. yeah. It's the greatest business move of all time. <laughs> I applaud him. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> this is funny. I saw, I saw Jack today. He came down by, and we hung out for a little while. <clears throat> and he goes, hey. Jack didn't even like, like Clinton. I go, I go, hey, so I go, he goes, so what are you doing tonight? I said, I'm going up to see Bob and Mike Martin. He goes, oh. Find out for me what, what Bob thinks about Trump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. He's, he's, he's loud. He's, he's got a lot. You got a lot of opinion. You, got, you, you post a lot of opinion. Oh, well, I just am fascinated that I'm always fascinated. But the Trump stuff, the thing that I really push out there is, and it was the Bushes and it's the Clintons and it's, it's you know, Obama less so because he didn't come from that kind of a background. But this is about them enriching themselves and their friends. That's what it's always about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Clinton left mm -hmm. the White House owing, uh, you know, twenty thousand dollars in in legal fees. He's now got hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, this is about personal enrichment. It's called capitalism, 
And when practiced in its extreme, like in America and in government mixing with, you know, industry, it's amazing. You know what I mean? It's amazing. And so I'm just always, you know, I don't have to participate in it. I don't take prescription drugs. I don't take any. I doubt I ever will. Right? I guess at chemo I'll take. That seems pretty good. You know what I mean? But, but, but as far as all these other drugs for my leg or diarrhea or whatever, fuck all that. I haven't taken anything for 21 years. I'll be fine. <laughs> I'll be fucking fine. I took some Harvoni that somebody sent to me. Well, good. Yeah. That's a good one. But, and that's a, that's a thing. But I mean, in general, all this, you got diarrhea, you got cholesterol, you got this, your blood pressure, you fuck all that. I don't even want to know. Yeah. That's a mess. That's a fucking mess. Uh, Eat right. Exercise. Fucking take care of business. You watched that movie, Prescription Thugs, right? No. That was a good movie about that. About how every every drug is designed to create a need for two or three other drugs. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a, it's a, it's well done. You know, it's weird that, you know, one of my closest friends, a doctor, you know, we always talk about drugs. And I'm like, ah, oh, he's like, this drug, that drug. I was like, you know what? People people have been surviving for thousands of years without them. It's fine with me. <laughs> Anyways, so I know this is radical. I know it's crazy. But talk to your kids about real life, about your fears, about your things, about what you believe, about, about the girl that broke your heart, the guy that left you talk honestly with your children we have so much bullshit in this country and your kids have been listening to bullshit their whole lives try to talk honestly about what you think and what you were like when you were 20 try to be honest with your kids just fucking be honest right that's that's a big that's a big order all right america see you later bye Hey, this is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888-595-0235. That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake, 888-595-0235. Tell them Bob told you to call.